0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Taylor Johnson podcast. I am Taylor Johnson. I'm a stand-up comedian, speaker, and author of the book, In the Altogether, Trusting God with All We Hide from the World, which is still available on Amazon right now. Why don't you go buy one? Hey, go pick one up right now. You already got a copy? Well, that's all right. Get a new one. Buy, Buy a new one every month. That should be what all of you guys do. Just buy a new one. Replace the old one that you had. Give the old one away to a stranger, to a friend, a neighbor. Do you know your neighbors? Are you friendly with your neighbors? I have a neighbor who does not like me at all. I think they don't like me, or maybe they're just very private people. They will be out on their front porch smoking, and when I pull into my parking spot, as I am pulling in, they will look up, they will see me pulling in, and they will immediately put out their cigarette and go inside. Every single time. And it was starting to worry me. I don't know what I did to them. I didn't do anything. We don't know each other. Why do they hate me so much? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, this is the Taylor Johnson podcast. Um, and uh, I bring on friends and experts to talk about topics that have to do with vulnerability, the importance of being open and honest about what's going on in your life. Uh, We might talk on topics that might make people uncomfortable, like death or mental health. This episode, I have on a licensed professional counselor to talk about the art of listening, because really truly listening to someone is much more difficult than we pretend like it is. I don't think we spend enough time talking about how hard it is to really and truly focus and listen to what someone is saying without being distracted, without trying to multitask, but really giving someone our full attention. And I really enjoy the conversation. He has a lot of really great stuff to say. But before we get to that, I got to check in with my friend, Glendon.
1: Hello? Hello, Glendon. What's up, Taylor? Oh, nothing much. I
0: I didn't even realize what happened this last week until my sister texted me that last week was the one year anniversary of my book coming out.
1: Oh my gosh! Happy book anniversary man that it feels
0: so weird it does it, it, how is it it doesn't feel like it's been a year time feels insane right now because of the pandemic, but like on top of that like it just it doesn't feel like it's been a full year that's crazy
1: How come some things feel like yesterday and other other things just feel like i don't know it's like they're locked in some kind of space time continuum and like you just can't i don't know it's just weird it seems like it doesn't seem like yesterday to me does it does it you
0: no it doesn't feel like yesterday but a a, a year just sounds so long
1: yeah it doesn't seem like a year ago dude that's crazy man so did you like pick up the book did you crack it open did you sign uh sign a book to yourself hey taylor congrats on one year
0: Well, yeah, I got so many freaking copies of it because at the beginning of the spring or like I guess in February, I bought 500 more copies to to have for all the retreats and conferences and camps that I was going to be doing in the spring and summer. And I've just got them all in my apartment, just boxes and boxes of them.
1: Uh, Sorry to bring that up. No, it's good. It's okay. It's all right. It's, it's fine. A, it's Everything's okay. fine. Right. Okay, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> but
0: it does feel weird, and it also feels weird, like, I'm I'm working on my second book. Um, I'm in the middle of my, se- not in the middle, I just started, on my second draft. And I had heard from, there's an author who I really love, Austin Cleon, and he says, and I think he's, like, found a bunch of quotes from other authors who talk about how, like, you don't really learn how to write a book. You only learn how to write the book that you're working on. And then the next book is going to be a completely different, like oh. it's going to be totally different. And and you got to relearn how to, or not relearn, but you have to learn how this book gets written. And at first I was like, ah, that's not true. Cause that first draft, Ooh, it was so easy. I was just vomited it out. It was just so fast, felt great. But then in the break between my first draft and my second draft, I realized that like I was basically just like I was I was writing it exactly like the first one and it was going to be structured like the first one and it was going to feel exactly like the first one. And I didn't like that. And just from the some of the feedback that I got from people, of like the parts that they really, really liked, like, oh, I should have it be more focused on that. And and I realized, oh, I need to approach this book differently and. So starting to work on the second draft, what it felt insane because it did feel like I was starting from nothing. Like all hmm. of the confidence, like I, it, like that Austin Kleon quote, made perfect sense to me because it's like now I'm having to learn how to write this book because it is very different now.
1: And it would be easy just to just to kind of go through the motions and not get the best the best version of what what you're trying to do, you know. And just yeah. churn it out and be like, here's words, you know, here's chapters, <laughs> uh, here's book, you know, and then it not, not do anything. Here's words, here's chapter, here's book. Yep. That's the title. Uh, what about you? What's up with you? Anything going on? The Dallas Stars are playing for the Stanley Cup for the first time in 20 years. That's. Are that's you a, what's a hockey on? fan? Yes, I am. Uh, Chastity and I actually went to the Stanley Cup. 20, uh, Stanley Cup. Uh final 20 years ago
2: so the stars
1: were playing yeah the new jersey devils so they won the cup in 1999 and then we went they went back in 2000 and we were there the night they lost and we saw the cup presented to the new jersey devils oh Um, man yeah but uh yeah so big big hockey fan and so that's kind of that's that's huge. That's good. I'll have to send you a picture of us. We actually took our engagement pictures in our hockey jerseys. Really? Um, yeah, like one set, you know. So like we have these serious ones, these cute ones, one with us holding a bible and, you know, <laughs> these, and, then, and then one with us wearing our hockey jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Um all right, I'll man. talk to you later. Later. See ya. Bye.
0: So yeah, the book, In the Altogether, it's been out for a full year. A full year. So if you're buying one every month, you should be up to 12 copies now. So good for you. Congratulations. Enjoy your 12 copies. Be handing them out to people. I'm working on my next book, working on the second draft right now. I'm giving myself so much more time to work on this one than I did. The, fir- the first one, I rushed. I Man, I really I flew through that thing. And, and a lot of it was, like, based on stuff I had been saying on stage. So it wasn't like I was making up a bunch of new stuff and having to, like, it, just vomiting it out and getting it. No, like, a lot of it was based on things I've been doing on stage for a long time so I could, like, get it out. But still, man, that it was – I was writing all day, all night, anytime I was having to work on a draft. Whenever I had a deadline coming up, I would, like, bring my mattress downstairs into my living room and I would sleep – on the floor of the living room. I don't know why I thought that would make me more productive. I don't know why I thought that was helpful. Maybe it just like in my mind, like thinking like, no, no, no. This ain't the normal times. We got a deadline coming up. But I'm giving myself a lot more time. So this book will not come out until the beginning of 2022. How crazy is that? That's a long, that feels like it's a long way away, but it's not really that far. But the beginning of 2022, next book is coming out I'm very excited about it. I think, I think there's some really cool stuff that I'm figuring out in this draft. It's going, to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be something very new, and I hope you enjoy it. But we got a long time before we have to think about that. Right now, I want to introduce to you the interview that I have on this episode, where I'm talking to Rob Sines, who is a licensed professional counselor in Waxahachie, Texas. We talk about listening. And I admit how bad I am at it and how uncomfortable I get when I'm trying. I want to get better at it. I really do. He says a lot of really great things that like really reshape the way that I look at listening. And I want to be more like him. So this is my conversation with Rob Signs. But how, how long have you been doing counseling?
2: Okay. So I've been working as an LPC, a licensed professional counselor, um, since 2000 and 2012. So that would make eight years. Well, wow.
0: And was that always the goal for you or did this kind of surprise you or was it always the goal?
2: Yeah. uh, uh, Starting off in college, I was a marine biology major. Oh, really? Yeah. And... that was my freshman year.
0: What? Why? Because I feel like that's a major that I hear a lot of kid, like. Whenever we do junior high, you know, um, yeah. school assemblies, I'll ask kids like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And so many kids say marine biologist, and I feel uh-huh. like that's just like a thing that you like a kid you you hear one day, and you're like, "That's the thing for." But I was I was really like, "Really? That's so yeah. many? of You want to be
2: that?" What What was it about <laughs> marine biology? Well, my interest started because I grew up in Corpus Christi. Oh, okay, my house was about. Uh, 12 minutes from uh, North Padre Island, um, I took an interest into water sports, uh, specifically surfing, uh, about mid to late junior high, and uh, just loved being at the beach. Everything about the beach, the water, the sand, the, you know, just hanging out with friends and all that. Well, once I got into high school, I found out about different professions that actually paid you to live on the water. Oh. And, uh, so I had this whole plan, travel, you know, on the sea for six months in the year, get paid a full year salary and, uh, get to go to the beach all the time. So marine biology it was, <laughs> <laughs> so that's
0: freshman year of college. You freshman year of that. college. Yeah.
2: And then, and then when does it change? Well, during that, that year it was in, um, November of 1992 that uh, I fully committed my life to Christ. And I was 18. I was uh, a, just a recent graduate from high school, uh, my freshman year of, of college. And in November, I fully committed my life to Christ. In December, at a Sunday night service, um, I, said, um, I said yes to submit my life to whatever the Lord wanted for me um, in service and I felt a call to ministry. Um, but didn't, I, I got no details. I got no, nothing specific. I just felt, I feel called to ministry. And I told my dad that night. And, um, and so then that's when I changed schools. Well, I planned to change schools in the fall. I finished out my spring semester where I was. And then in fall of 1993, I transferred to Southwestern Assembly Guide University. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I went there, and um, they had a limited number of majors to choose from. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a senior pastor or a youth pastor. And I feel like one of the only other majors was either like a singer or um, counseling. So I was like, well, I'll give counseling a shot. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that's how it started. (laughs) That's crazy. And
0: like yeah. was there a moment then when it like clicked for you, like, oh, this was the right choice?
2: Yeah, well, um, once I started understanding what a counselor was, I had a heart for ministry. Um, as soon as I got to Waxahachie, um, I linked up with the church, I started volunteering, I taught Sunday school. I was a youth leader, those kinds of things. and so I really enjoyed working with young people. and um again, for whatever reason, I felt like I wasn't being led to be a senior pastor. yeah, and so um, I liked listening to people. in fact, my my full-time job was customer service on the telephone. Oh it, really It was for a it was for a long distance telephone company, so. From three p.m. to midnight, five five nights a week, I was answering calls about people's telephone bills and. Oh, uh, really? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And so, did counseling classes help you out in customer service? Uh, not at first, because you know when you're getting. Cussed out for thirty hours a week. Uh-huh, yeah. you know uh, your uh, counseling is just far from your <laughs> mind. You're just you're just trying to get a paycheck and pay for school. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, it evolved into just caring about people. And I think half the battle, because again, I worked. I eventually worked customer service for the company I was working for um, for seven years. It put me through college. It put food on, on my family's table. Um, But I learned how to listen to people that were presenting with a lot of confusion and anger and a lot of emotion um, that wasn't directed at me personally, but it could easily feel that way because I was a person they were talking to. The way that you just
0: said that, um, that just like made it click in my head that how like they're presenting their information with a lot of emotion and a lot of like that. Those are the things that can get in the way of you understanding the person. Absolutely. And so you're having to look past the distractions almost to what the heart of it is. Boy, this is making me realize I'm so bad at that. Mm -hmm. I get
2: so distracted by all the other stuff. Well, you got to think when somebody comes to you angrily, they have a raised tone of voice or Um, Because listening is also looking at their body expression. And when their body language shows tension and aggression, well, immediately we want to put up defenses. Yeah. Well, when the tone comes out of their voice as elevated and loud, again, I'm looking for a shield to resist what you're saying or a defense to come back at you so that you can stop attacking me. But the truth is they're not attacking me because it's, they're not upset at me. I haven't done anything to them. They're upset at what, whatever the situation is. And if I can listen well enough, then maybe by them hearing themselves, it'll clear up some confusion or by me coming back with a calm tone is going to help them calm down Yeah. and actually look for a solution because the, the solution is not to be right. Who's right? Them or me the solution is whatever's going to resolve the problem. Like
0: how, wh- okay, being a good listener and like the mindset that you just shared was that, were you like naturally kind of lean towards that before going through all of your schooling <laughs> or stuff or like, what, like, did that, did that, was that a fight to get to the point where you're at now?
2: Uh, I'd like to, to say yes. Uh, but I believe I stumbled across it in a, um, and, uh, was able to refine that over a matter of years. Um, I really believe Taylor, it started, um, with a very low self-worth as a kid. Oh. You know, so when you struggle with your self-esteem and you don't know why or how or how to work on that and fix that, then you, com- you consider everybody else more important, better, whatever, than you. Yeah. And so with people that I knew or people I felt confident with, I was kind of extroverted, but with people like in my public school or, um, most people I thought were way cooler than me and I didn't measure up to. So I stayed pretty quiet. Yeah. Well, that forced me to hear a whole lot. It wasn't because I was trying to listen. It's because I didn't think what I had to say was very important. Yeah. And so um, once I was able to recognize and I was taught um, my intrinsic value because of who Christ is and who he makes me to be then that low self-esteem it evolved into confidence but I still I feel like I'm able to remain humble and consider what other people have to say still um, very important if not more important um, so that I can truly listen to what they're saying rather than just fighting to have the answer prepared for them. I feel like I had something similar, but more with
0: like, I think self-worth and in being really critical of myself and like constantly like critical of like the way that you're sitting, the way that you're standing, the way that you're talking. And so then, I like that critical eye when I pointed it outward wasn't as much like to judge, but like it was easier for me to see like that person's nervous because they're doing that because like <laughs> I would get mad at myself when I would do that when I was nervous and, yeah. and that person is, you know, like, the, yeah. so, so over oh, my over analyzing or like even like paranoid of like, Oh, everyone knows that I'm this way. And then I could like see it on other people. Um, but then like the, the refining process, mm. Um, in schooling, were there, were there moments in that where like certain things that like clicked
2: from school that you probably like still practice to this day? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, things like, uh, learning how to be comfortable in silence. Yeah. You know, sometimes we get so fidgety with there having to be somebody talking that when we ask a question and there's not an immediate response, we get nervous and start asking more questions. I like, just did that. When the person is just really trying to think of what they want to say or what, how they really feel and how to verbalize that. So that's one thing that, that I learned in the process is learning how to be comfortable in the silence. Um, I think uh, working in customer service forced me to be able to listen to the customer so i could figure out how to help them and so they wouldn't be calling back every hour for the next 12 hours Um, so that helped me to learn how to wait to really hear them Um, and then also as i was working in youth ministry um, you know at first we didn't have a bus or a church van and we would take kids home and pick kids up in our own car and that's when the most um, intimate conversations usually took place, and my wife and I would hear kids, you know, open up and share about their uh, their struggles and their homes and all that, and uh, we would hear things like, "Wow, you're you're thanks for thanks for listening," you know. Um, I feel like I can I can share things with you, or you know, and that also affirmed learning how to just be quiet and let others, you know, open up and just being available, being present, something you mentioned earlier, learning how to be present really helps in the listening process, because in order to actively listen, you have to be focused on the person. how, how do you,
0: how do you make yourself a going back to first being comfortable in the silence? Like when, when you first started off, was it just like, you in your head having to say like, don't say anything, don't say anything, just sit in it, just sit in it. It's okay. Like, like, are, are you trying to actively stop yourself when you're f- first, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to get, I'm, I get so uncomfortable in the silence <laughs> sometimes Yeah, and I do not know how to handle it.
2: Well, I, you know, some of it's cultural. I mean, we live in a day and age where there's, you know, 50 news channels where there's 80 sports channels, where there's social media, and there's always information barraging our minds. So there's never seems like silence. You have to intentionally look for silence. And so I think that's part of the struggle. Um, but something that, that helps me now, I don't struggle so much except when I'm preoccupied. When I've got a lot of my, on my mind, it's hard to be present. It's harder to focus. Um, but one thing that, that helps is, um, the recognition that the other, when a person comes into my office, they are the most important person at, in the moment and walking through them, them intentionally setting up a time to process with me is not their privilege. It's mine. So... When someone comes into my office and they're, you know, processing their crisis or their living situations or uh, struggles they're going through, um, I truly consider it sacred work. I mean, they're literally opening up their heart and allowing me the privilege to look in and see things that very few people get to see. And so with that, it gives you a sense of genuineness that you know what, what I have to say really matters. Someone's really listening. Maybe I'm really not all alone in this thing after all. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. uh, What about
0: about in your regular life? Like I I feel like (laughs) with, with like they're coming to this room, they set up an appointment. I feel like that's that can be almost easier to like, this is the most important person in in, in my life right now, in this moment, who's with me. But like, do you, like, I don't know, when you're at church or out in the world and mm-hmm. and you're with someone, um and having a conversation and like being present, do, do you st- is that still the mindset of like this person that I'm talking to is the mm-hmm. most important person in this moment?
2: Yeah. It depends on the situation. I mean, like, you know, um, uh, if we're at a ball game or, you know, we're just, uh, having coffee, it it depends on the situation as far as the depth of listening that needs to be happening. You know, um, if it's a casual dinner with my family and we're watching a show while we're eating, Mm -hmm. you know, um, still, uh, your, uh, your radar is on to hear for significant things, but you know, um, when there's uh, important matters to be discussed or, you know, the person, you know, purposely wants to have a conversation, you know, um, I wanna give them my utmost attention. And, you know, there's times when you're driving through town with a friend and you both have your phones out and you're texting and there's, there's some listening going on there, but you're not fully present. Yeah. And I, I believe we have the capacity to, you know, multitask, but, um, just like we can't add more hours to a day to get more accomplished. I don't think we can fully focus on everything that we're trying to do at the same time. We can do those things, but I don't believe to the best of our capability. And that includes listening.
0: What about, is there anything like if you're in the middle of a session and you feel yourself getting preoccupied, like, is it, yeah, do you, where you start to feel yourself preoccupied? Are there ways that you like catch yourself and bring yourself back? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, you find out that y- your car just got <laughs> towed, or you know, I don't know, any a million terrible things that are happening in right. your life that can't, you know, affect mm-hmm. what's happening in this room.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, how how do
2: you bring yourself back? Yeah. Well, for counselors, for ministers, actually for any profession, but especially helping professions, um, self-care is priority. Self-care is so important so that when you're present with your parishioners, with, with the client, with, you know in those situations, you can be as present as possible. I mean, I'm human, you know, I'm not perfect um, you know, if there's a crisis going on in in my personal life or my family, um, sure, that's going to cross my mind on occasion. But I do do my best to intentionally be completely there with that client. I think like having hobbies
0: and having like interests outside of the thing that you do for work is is so important because I feel like I hear a lot of uh, pastors talk about how like I only read leadership books and yeah. like that's man, there are so many other books. Like <laughs> right. don't you want to think about something else when you're yes. not on the clock? Like, and, 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 and you don't know how these random interests are going to like add to your life or you're going to eventually use what in your career. Like you, you never know right. what you're going to read and how, how it could be applied or come up. But like, yeah, yeah. Not having your whole identity and like everything that you do and consume be related to what you do. Yeah, to remind yourself that you are more than just that. That yeah. is so important.
2: It's very dangerous too when self-care isn't taking place. Um, there's a phenomenon that ha- that happens in the helping professions. Compassion fatigue. You know, people get burnt out. People get um, desensitized to the pain going on around them. People stay up all night long uh, thinking about their clients or you know um, you know they're taking calls and texts in the middle of the night over non-emergency issues um, these are these are signs that maybe they're not taking care of themselves as well as they should be you know um, as an active listener really trying to be present for people uh, self-care allows you that when you go home uh, you leave that person's burdens in their session you don't take it home with you that's not You know, my family needs me. They don't need me minus all my clients, you know, needs and issues. Um, and so self-care is so vital just to being present and not, not, um, not going towards, you know, uh, burnout.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not being selfish. It's like, it's making sure you're at your best for the people who need you. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it, the, to recharge yourself to 100% so that when you come back in here, you don't have a low battery. Compassion fatigue, that's terrifying. That sounds so scary.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you you have, uh, you know, Red Cross volunteers who will give their right limb to help a needy person who all of a sudden they just don't care anymore or they get burnt out or the pastor who just can't take it anymore and these are, are signs that they got to a point to where they felt used or they felt, you know, like they weren't making a difference or there's just too much in the world or whatnot. And you, ha- we have to have a way to take care of ourselves so that we can be in the good fight.
0: How, how would you define active listening? Let's start with that.
2: Active listening is the process of being present, um, paying attention, to not only words coming out of their mouth, but also their body language, um, trying to understand, and in some cases, um, summarizing or um, sharing with them what you believe they're trying to say. So it's a process where you're fully present, and that person understands that you're there to hear them. How
0: could the rest of the, like, I don't know, the people who are listening to this right now, Mm are there
2: like steps that we could all take to get better at active listening? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the foundational key um, of active listening, truly, genuinely listening, is um, aiming for humility. You know? Oh, yeah. When you you place others before yourself, uh, they're talking to you. Um, or you're engaging in conversation with them, and a person feels valued, they're more apt to want to talk to you. It's very, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to reject uh, genuine affection or, or genuine love. As a believer, if the love of Christ is genuinely displayed in my life, that should be attractive to people. And as they begin to share, and I remind myself in humility that what they're saying, if this is valuable to them, then it's valuable to the creator. And if it's valuable to him, then it's my privilege to sit here and listen to them. A lot of it has to do with our perspective. Now, if you're running late for work and somebody is trying to share their heart, it's hard to be present because you have so so many other things you're doing. But I believe that the foundational piece to being a good listener is aiming to be humble. And once, once you have a sense of the importance of others around you, then the practical things like trying to be fully present, putting your phone away. If you're going to be, be engaging in a conversation, looking people in the eyes, you know, don't give them the death stare, but you know, mm-hmm. look away on occasion, <laughs> but you know, Having the the ability to look people in the eyes, you know, when appropriate, emote. Um, you can summarize and talk back um, so that they understand that you're hearing them and you understand what they're what they're trying to say. I th- yeah, the humility thing that is so big. You know, Taylor, one one of the last things I, you know I'll say about regarding um, how to be a better a- active list, listener is practicing empathy, you know, um, with all the um, discord going on in our world today, there are are people on the left and people on the right. There are people, you know, on, on opposing sides. And, you know, one of the things that is so dangerous is that they're both yelling at each other but nobody's taking the time to to listen. And if you listen to somebody with empathy, you can disagree with them 100% and still genuinely listen to them. When you're listening for the purpose of um, uh, giving a rebuttal, you're not going to hear the genuineness of that person's heart nor their motive or their intention. There are some people that are very misguided but they have pure motives and they just have a wrong way of looking for the right thing. And so by listening to them, maybe they'll give you the opportunity to speak something into their life that will help guide them to find the right thing in the right way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes we don't want to give empathy to like be empathetic to someone because it's almost like that's giving up ground in the fight that we have with them. Right. But that's where like humility being the basis of everything that like takes away that like almost like fight mentality of like every conversation, every debate is a battle to be won. But like, yeah, humility kind of changes your posture when, when stepping into the conversation, which is like, of course I would be empathetic to this person if I am one to humble my... like, it, it could become a verbal version of washing their feet. Absolutely. Because I, mean, I don't want to actually do that. And if no. I could do it verbally in a conversation, <laughs> that would be so much
2: better. Well, if you look at the way Jesus uh, um, engaged with people, the people that had a very contradictory lifestyle as to what he represented... He sat with them. He engaged in conversation and communion with them and, and had dinner with them. Well, that tells me that in order for them to really listen to what he had to say, he had to show a genuine, genuineness that they felt cared for and accepted. Whether they, they, he agreed with their lifestyle or not, because he told them, you know, go and sin no more. So he told them they needed a change but there was something about the way they interacted that told them that he cared or what they had to say was important. They were important as a person. And if we always remember the importance of the person, the intrinsic value of the individual, then maybe we'll take a little more time to listen to what they have to say, even if it's not the same thing that we believe or stand for or you know, accept for ourselves.
0: And now, returning to the podcast is my friend, Laban Massey, and together we're going to try to figure out another awkward situation. So here is me and Laban. Uh, I am here with my friend, Laban Massey. Laban, how are you doing? Good. Excellent. Very good. We are both socially awkward, and so we thought it would be good to come together with different scenarios that we face that are uncomfortable mm-hmm. and talk through them. How do we make it? How do we do this? How do we navigate the awkwardness of it? And a lot of times, the only way you can figure that out is by role-playing. And so I know that you you brought a scenario for us to yes. discuss that is awkward for you socially. Uh, what is the scenario that we are going to be talking about today?
3: So my first one, or just the one I'm gonna do is um when you see one of your teachers in public, so like this would be like probably like a college teacher when you see one of them in public, but you're not that close to them, yeah, and you have a very teacher student relationship. Yes, where it's like I will only talk to you in class like that's it, right. And it's not even that you're that friendly with the teacher. Exactly, yeah.
0: Um, so I'm guessing this is something that has happened to you. This has happened to me twice. Recently? Yes. And you're also, you're not in college anymore. No. So this is like former teachers, not like I have you this semester. Yeah, if I had them this semester, I think I would I would say
3: hi, but it's like... you like, hey, oh, yeah. class is so much fun. And I'd be like, okay, when is that assignment due? <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> Because I, like I like talking to them about class outside of class, because I know they love it.
0: Yeah, that's all that they want to talk about when yeah. they're outside of class. It's like, mm, someone ask me about that project that we're doing. Yeah, ask me something that would be easily answered in a syllabus.
3: Uh, so, but you've had, like, okay, former teachers. Where, yes. did, where
0: did you run into this?
3: Okay, so one of them I ran into at a coffee shop, and it was very awkward, because like I was like sitting down on a couch, and they were like directly in front of me but I was at like a lower level because they were like on the stools uh-huh. and I didn't know what to do. And was the t- uh, teacher facing you or facing away? They were facing, they were sideways. So like, so you could see their profile. Yes, I could see them.
0: And could you t- like, were, were you not looking at them or? Yeah,
3: I was trying to avoid all like looking that direction. So it's like looking at my phone, oh. trying to pay attention to people around me. So wait, will you like, when you see anyone that you recognize in public, Will you just pretend like you did not see them? You're making me feel really bad, but yeah, a oh. lot of the times I'll do that. Just because And then
0: if they if they notice you and call you out, will you do some like real good acting to pretend like you didn't see them? Yeah. I So let's say, okay, we're in a coffee shop, you have been we've been there for like an hour at the uh. same time, and we know each other. I legitimately have not seen you. But you have noticed me and now I'm getting up to leave and I see you. Are you going to pretend like you haven't seen me the whole time?
3: It just depends. Like, if it was actually you, I would say hi to you. No, like, no, no. I'm your teacher. Okay, I'm your you're teacher. My teacher. Okay. And I
0: get up from my table and I'm an old, I'm going to be an old man. Okay? okay. And I get up from the table
3: and I go, Oh, oh, Laban. Oh, uh, hi. It's nice to see you. I didn't know you were here. I would say, Oh, hey, Mr. I would call you Mr. Uh, T. oh wow we were kind of close okay (laughs) yeah or mr j which do you prefer both are bad
0: let's just (laughs) say let's just say that my let's just say that my professor name is uh dr dr professor dr hammer dr hammer okay okay dr hammer and uh i get up from my table and i'm about to walk out and i say oh
3: oh oh laban hello there and i would say oh dr hammer it's hey I hate that we're still role playing because I want the role playing to stop right there. <laughs> no, yeah. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna do? I'd be like, hey, I haven't seen you here this whole. T-. No, I wouldn't say. that. <laughs> yeah, no. you
0: can't call attention to it. But oh, hello. In.
3: I haven't noticed you.
0: Hey, uh, how you doing? Oh, this I'm is- doing very good. Uh, you seem very uncomfortable. Even in the- <laughs> this is fake, Laban. <laughs> this is- okay, let's there's start- nothing at stake here. I know. Okay, start the. Okay, let me try. Let me try. Um, I. Uh, I feel like I have the opposite problem. Well, with certain teachers. With certain teachers, I want to bug them. There is a professor that I had that I swear I watched fake a phone call to avoid me once because no. I think he knew that I was going to bug him. And I watched him start walking towards me from far away. I think I saw him notice me and immediately pull out his phone and walk in another direction. So like I feel like I have the opposite problem, but there are some teachers, teachers from high school even, if I were to go back to my hometown, um, I feel like my go-to move is to leave. If I see someone I know and I don't want to interact with them, I'm just like, well, I don't go here
3: anymore. I go somewhere else. No, that makes way worse because I will... The problem is, like, I'm already with other people, so I can't just leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was yeah. by myself, maybe I would leave. Okay, well, okay, let me, let me try it. Let me
0: just see, because it doesn't have to be long. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm not good at, though, that I want to learn how to be good at is pinching off that conversation and getting out fast.
3: So yeah. uh, you be a professor. What's your professor name? Uh, I'm Dr. Professor. Dr. Professor. And what, do you, what did you teach? Uh, I teach, uh, I teach professoring. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I took a class in professoring because yeah. I was just curious and I didn't know if I would be into it. Okay. So I am sitting uh, at a table and I have a book, but I clearly have not read it yet. And I'm just kind of on my phone and, uh, Dr.
3: Professor and okay, you, you, do you want me to have like a cool voice or anything? Yeah.
0: I mean, do whatever you want,
3: whoever okay. you want to be. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm walking up. I stumble a little bit, Oh, I'm Okay. Okay, I'm not looking up. Oh, Taylor. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Oh, uh, hi, Dr. Professor. Hey, how are you doing? Very good, my boy. Oh, that's good. Uh, Yeah, Uh, do you come here often? Yes, quite often. I come here and get my coffee. Oh, I love coffee. You uh, remember that in our class, how much I drank coffee every morning. That's right.
0: When we were talking about
3: professoring, you were
0: always talking about coffee. And I don't really drink coffee. I just like the smell of it. And it's just like a nice place to come into to work.
3: Yes. Do you remember the, the, the phrase I would say after, at the beginning of every class? We could say it together real fast. Oh, the coffee, coffee is what, is what makes, makes the professoring, the professoring work. work. You would always say that yes. and you would
0: always make us say it. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I always felt like I was never going to do well in the class because I don't like coffee. I know. Uh, you are you failed m- me.
3: I did fail you because you
0: were a bad student, Taylor. Well, yep. Uh, but at least I'm done with school now,
3: and... Somehow, you somehow graduated. Well, I probably did a lot of cheating and just never noticed, right? Yes, especially in your professor class, which I was the professor for. Yep, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I don't want to hold you too long. I'm going to
0: let you back, get back to your day, and uh, I'm going to get back to my book. But, hey, it was great seeing you. Yes, you too. Say hi to all your loved ones for me. Okay, all right. Weird thing to say. Thanks. Thanks. See you later, dude. Goodbye. All right, bye. See, I wish I would have pinched that conversation off a little <laughs> bit earlier. I wish I didn't have to recite something. Okay, what? How fast? How fast do you think you can? Pin, how fast do you think you can pinch off a conversation without being rude? Ooh. I think I could maybe. Okay. All All right. Right. No, no, no. All Here right, we go. Here right, we go. Right, right. I'm. Um, my name is Professor um, Plum. Yep, Professor Plum, and <laughs> I have not murdered anyone. Good. And I walk up, and just how fast can you get
3: out of this? Okay. Oh hey Laban, hey how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. I'm doing fine. Um, I'm so sorry though. I would love to talk, but I actually have to head home. Oh, real fast. Oh, you're I getting to, out of here? Yeah, I have to put my dog out. Like my wife's not home, so I have to put him out. Oh. I'm super sorry. We should just we should catch up some other time. I'm really sorry. Oh okay, all right. So you're leaving? yes, I just walked away. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, yes. you scurried away. Yes. Wow. So, okay.
0: But then you, then you really do have to leave. But what if you're with somebody else?
3: Oh shoot! Yeah, yeah. If you got someone else there, that's your anchor,
0: and you're tethered down. How fast can you get out?
3: Okay, so I am I going to play both characters then? Oh, (laughs) I wish. No, 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 no. Okay.
0: Uh, That part. Let's just pretend that person's not going to talk. They're going to stay a silent partner. Okay. Because they're not. They're they're not as awkward as you, but they're a little bit. Okay. Um, And okay, so I'm Professor Plum, and I come up.
3: Oh, Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Massey. How are you? Oh, man. Okay. Um. Oh, are you all right? <laughs> restart, restart. Uh, okay. okay. All right. <laughs> oh, Mr. Massey, how are you? Oh, hey, uh, Professor Plum. Yeah. Hey, it's great to see you. I've, it's been a really long time. Yeah. I am. I would really love to catch up right now, but oh. we actually have a job we're supposed to be doing on the cross town that we have to get to. So. Oh, is that true? <laughs> what is the job you have? Sorry, my friend is mute, so he does not talk in this... Uh, this realm. So in this <laughs> realm. So we In ha- the ethereal plane, yeah. he's all ch- he's a real chatterbox. He's yeah, he's he loves chatting in the ethereal plane, but we got to bounce. I'm so sorry. Oh. Um But then in that situation, you have forced someone else to leave with you. Yes. No, that's the hard part cuz then I have to like it has it's like a dance where I'm like having to talk to them and be like Yeah. Because I don't want to say, like, we have to go and then put all the pressure on them. Like, we have to leave, right? And then they'd be like, um... Yeah, yeah then you've got them in a lie. You yeah. you, you're forcing someone else to lie with you. Exactly. And that's not Christ-like, so... No.
0: <laughs> what about... Okay, what about this? Let's see. Like, let's see. I feel like this... I've got an idea for a way to make someone so uncomfortable that they want to leave immediately. Okay. So, uh,
3: whoever you are... Okay, I'm... Uh, I'm Mr. J. No, you're okay. not Mr. J. You're not the Joker. Please. I won't actually, like I'm just Mr. J. Like J-A-Y, okay? Okay, you're And I'm going to tell you J. all this and then I'm going to come in as the Joker in this. No, no, no. Okay, all right, I'm You're going to walk in and go, Joker here! Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm walking in. Got my purple suit on. No, okay, no, it's no. Black. Okay, I'm wearing just a black t-shirt. Oh no, ta- pants, <laughs> Mr. J, you're not wearing no, any pants. This is not fair. You always ruin my characters. In sorry, our sorry, for- okay, all okay. right, all right. I'm wearing normal clothes. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Come in, hey Taylor. Oh, hey Mr. J, how are you doing? Good. How are you?
0: Do- are you doing all right? I'm do- I'm doing good. Hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
3: yeah, a lot. Oh, I've been getting made fun of at school for being named Mr. J. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I thought that this would make you uncomfortable. I didn't even think for the, for the chance that you might really need
0: something. Yeah, we'll pray for you. Let's do it right here, right now.
3: Excellent. Here we go, Mr. J. This is awesome. I'm going to anoint you with oil, I guess. I really worked myself into a corner here. Be careful of the white face paint. No, you no, no. <laughs>
0: I want to thank Glendon, Laban, and Rob Signs for being on the show. I want to thank Lucky Star and Jordan Combs for the use of their songs in the episode. I want to thank you for listening. Please rate, review, share it with somebody. Go back and listen to old episodes. Do whatever you can do. Tell someone about this. Don't keep this thing a secret. And uh, buy my book. Hey, go buy that book. If you haven't gotten it yet, what, what are you waiting for? It's been a whole year. And if you have bought it and you haven't read it yet, go do that. It's been a year. You've had it for a year and you still haven't read it yet? Come on! Read my book! Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the Taylor Johnson Podcast, but until then, read my book. Goodbye.